All right, everybody, welcome into a brand new version of Debate Night. Um, this is something that we've teased a little bit, but today is the first episode. I think it's going to be very exciting for everybody. Uh, we have a whole panel of people to debate. We're going to be a new structure where everybody is going to have an allotted time to basically debate on certain topics that I've assigned them. They're going to be given points for their, the strength of their arguments, and then the, the winners of the points are going to go on to a final round and so on. Uh, I think it's definitely going to be a cool new format for the show. If you've ever seen Around the Horn on ESPN, it's going to be similar to a sh to that show. Um, we're kind of we're kind of basing it on that. I think it's going to give a, an awesome opportunity for us to bring in new panelists from outside of just our organization to let them shine and really speak on disc golf topics that we talk about all the time. Um, but without further ado, let's go ahead and introduce our cast members for today. First off today, we have the man, the myth, the legend, Brody Smith. Uh, you know him from all the Debate Night episodes. He's certainly going to be a force on this show. Um, it'll be interesting to see how everybody handles him today. Uh, we also have Hunter Thomas joining the show today. He's not going to be on every single episode um, as a typical debate night fashion, but he will be joining in from time to time, and he's definitely going to be a dangerous. I know he's taking this uh, very seriously. Uh, he, he's, been, he's been taking his notes for sure. Uh, joining us today, our first guest analyst, uh, Anthony Bedanza. Anthony, coming to you live from his van where he is currently touring um, how's the tour schedule looking so far this year, Anthony? Uh, absolutely no tour schedule. This is just, I've just lived in a van since September, 2021, <laughs> but I have, I have no plans past next week right now on it. Or I have a cruise in early February, but other than that, I have no plans. Taking it one week at a time. I like that. And then we've also got esports legend, Dustin Murray transitioned over to disc golf. He's going to be certainly a factor expecting a lot of big things from Dustin. Um, are you excited to dominate today, Dustin? You know, it would be nice to beat Brody and Hunter on their own YouTube channel. So that's, that's definitely <laughs> the goal today. All right. Well, without further ado, we're going to jump in to our first topic today. Um, this is something that is super prevalent as in the recent weeks uh, with certain news we've gotten. But the first topic I want to bring up is which manufacturer do you think is the biggest winner of the offseason? There's certainly been quite a bit of movement so far in the offseason. And we kind of expected it to be more of a quiet one, but things have kind of popped up as of recent. And it certainly makes for a lot of different cases. Um, Brody, what do you think? I think this one's actually a pretty, pretty easy no-brainer. Um, it's got to be MVP. Uh, the, the signing of Simon Lazat, I think, is going to probably go down as one of the biggest moves in disc golf as of right now it's one of the biggest moves in disc golf since paul left innova we'll kind of see how it plays out for them with that 10-year deal they also which kind of went under the radar a little bit they also got conrad for four more years as well them two kind of together i think hit a big market in the disc golf world uh simon Lazat's a top six player as you know trevor uh, he won four Elite Series uh, events last year. His YouTube channel alone is one of those that even if he does dip in performance, he's still going to be out there. People are going to see him. Uh, I think it's a pretty no-brainer that uh, MVP won this offseason. Yeah, certainly a huge signing there uh, with Simon. Uh, Hunter, what do you think? Yeah, I got to agree with Brody. Uh, MVP by far. I think Discraft has a case to be made, but... I don't think it's strong enough to be made personally. Uh, and one thing I think Brody missed out a little bit on with MVP is in addition to what they were able to do with Conrad, with Simon, they also are benefactors to the great offseason that Thought, Thought Space Athletics is having. 
and Mint Diss. So Mint Diss was able to add Mason Ford, not a huge name. Thoughtspace Athletics has picked up James Proctor, kept Eric Oakley, a few other players as well, and obviously MVP manufacturers for Thoughtspace and Mint. So it's not going to affect their bottom line nearly like the Simon move or keeping James Conrad, but it, it is a factor as well to, to at least consider. But Simon bringing over all the Discmania fans, uh, I mean, it's definitely one of the biggest moves disc golf's ever seen. Yeah, no no doubt there. That's, that's an excellent point with ThoughtSpace. That's certainly a company... Um, a lot of people are just, you know, kind of consider ThoughtSpace, you know, having success in their own right, which they have. But you got to remember that 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 does attribute to MVP with them being the manufacturers of those, of those discs. Anthony, what do you think about the offseason so far? Who's your big winner? Yeah, I think it's been exciting to see all the movement going around. And as Brody kind of alluded to, I actually do think that Discraft is probably the biggest winner in this offseason. If you look at who they were able to continue to retain in the top end of talent, as well as bring in probably what is going to be the next level of talent in Valerie Mandujano, Holland Hanley, AB, and then you can also, I guess, put Paige Shu in there. But even if you just look at AB, I feel like he's such a sleeper because he's been in the sport for so long, so he doesn't seem as young as he could feel if he was newer to the sport. But a lot of people will, will liken him to a younger eagle from a few years ago where he has some mental game struggles that he might be able to get over this offseason. Going and touring with Adam this year will give him a lot of confidence. And sometimes just a, a, a new passion along with all the talent that is already in AB is enough that might be able to propel him to a couple of uh, Elite Series wins this year and a legacy that could uh, move forward in the next 10 years uh, down the line. Yeah, yeah, I I think that um, AB is certainly an interesting sign, and I, I think you know a lot of people were pointing to MVP as the big winner, but Discraft certainly can't be forgotten about that. That elite team is no joke, and I think AB, uh, a lot of it does hinge on him because if he can show up, it will certainly be a big difference maker for them. He's got a lot of potential. Uh, Dustin, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I'm going to go back to MVP on this. I mean, again, they retain their core of Sarah Holcomb and Madison Walker, who are veterans, and also Madison being a huge media personality. Obviously, the extension for James Conrad is huge for four years. It really kind of helped get them to the point that they are now to be able to get someone like Simon on the roster. And don't forget Stacey Haas, a young up-and-comer FPO who won the Open at Tallahassee last year, so they got some youth on the way up as well. But yeah, signing Lazat for 10 years, how can you not be the biggest winner when you match the biggest deal of all time with the same you know length of 10 years and probably the same money and incentives from the rumblings that we've been hearing. I mean, they're going to have him for the rest of his playing career. He's going to have tons of value when he's not touring when it comes to content, course design, and just his social media outreach. Uh, he even stated he has plans to get more involved in media and commentary when he's done playing. So again, he's going to bring MVP that value after he's done. Also, he was the most popular MPO player in a recent survey, survey on AltiWorld, the number two overall after Christian Tatar, so super popular. He's number three on overall socials and has one of the biggest YouTube channels in disc golf. He Moose plastic. We've seen it happen time and time again with the tilt, the mind bender, the doom, the doom bird four. Excuse me, on his way out. He's also going to be able to expand MVP into Europe. That's a huge market that MVP hasn't tapped yet. Uh, and he proved that he can still perform. He proved that he can still improve. And he seems like he's mega motivated based on all the interviews that we've seen so far. Um, you know that he's looking to think that he has his best year still ahead of him as a player. Yeah, definitely. I, I I think that everybody had some pretty good points there. Tough to look away from from MVP with the Simon deal, but but Discraft certainly has a case to be made uh, with such a strong core. Uh, they certainly were not a loser this offseason, but some people might potentially think there are some losers this offseason. Uh, there's certainly some companies that didn't make as big of a splash, some that were forgotten, some that lost their players. Um, but I want to update everybody on some points before we hop into that top big uh, after topic one. We have Brody sitting at five points, Hunter at six, Anthony at five, and Dustin at seven. Uh, for all our listeners, um, 
but yeah, we so we want to hop into the flip side of that now. Basically, we we talked about the winners of the off season, but with winners, there has to be losers. So, um, Hunter, who's your big loser this off season? Yeah, I mean, I think early in the off season, the everyone's mind was going towards Innova being the big loser, but with the recent news got to be Discmania. I mean, they lost one of the two faces of their franchise. I think that they really lost him in three ways. First and foremost, they lost one of the two crush boys. Yes, you can throw Kyle Klein in there as a crush boy. I don't think he's ready to step into Simon's shoes. Losing Simon, I think, loses a huge market share for them. Secondly, uh, they kind of showed that they couldn't keep Simon, which is a concern for Eagle coming down the line. I believe this upcoming season is a contract year for Eagle, and watching your buddy that you've built Discmania with leave for a million a year, Makes you think Eagle's going to want that million a year. I don't know if Discmania can afford that. So that's going to be something interesting to see. And thirdly, they had a chance to at least soften the blow by landing someone to replace Simon. They were unable to do so. Um, AB was on the market. I think he would have fit into that crush boy, you know, kind of branding. It would wouldn't nearly have been the Simon player, but he could have at least fit in there. Uh, there was also rumors about Gannon. Prodigy squashed those rumors with announcing the 2023 core team and Gannon on there. So not being able to land someone to at least soften the blow of losing Simon, I think really sets him up to be the biggest loser this offseason by far. Yeah, it certainly um, certainly was not a day to remember when they had to uh, watch that that Simon Lazat signing go down and just and just witness that. It can't be fun fun and games at the Dismania headquarters right now. We'll see what they can do to rebound. Uh, Anthony, what do you think? Yeah, I absolutely can see Hunter's point in Discmania. I do think that them coming to the table and seeming like they wanted to be close to matching Simon's offer would make me believe that they might want to match Simon's offer or get something equivalent for Eagle because he has a little more longevity, it would seem, in the sport over the next 10 to 15 years. And so my biggest loser this offseason, I was going to go with all of Trilogy, but it's kind of hard to say all of Trilogy when they still have Kristen Tatar, who seems like she's just going to continue to dominate in the FPO space. And so I think Dynamic and Westside uh, have two main things that make me think that Trilogy as a whole is a little bit uh, on the downslope for this offseason. They lost a lot of their big players. They lost Holland Hanley. They lost Valerie Montejano on the FPO side. And that basically leaves Kona Panis and Macy Diaz. And if Kona had a big year on her shoulders with the contract year, now only having one other touring FPO main player um, that can help to represent Dynamic might just help to keep her in that slump that she's been in and not have her see that bounce back year. And then on top of that, the West Side Disc thing with Erica Stinchcomb, her leaving there in a seemingly non-amicable way, uh, just based on the way that she posted about it on Instagram, uh, probably leaves a bad taste in some people's mouths about Westside and touring. And as someone who wants to tour and get sponsored, it kind of makes me a little more wary to think about Westside as a potential future sponsor. And I'm not sure how that's going to impact them and the sport as a whole down the line. Yeah, certainly. I, I think that Trilogy um, were really quiet this offseason. You know, it's tough it's tough to to say necessarily that yeah as a whole it's a loser but they definitely lost some key players and it'll be curious to see um what what they do moving forward um dustin biggest loser of the all season yeah i think i'm gonna have to agree with hunter it's gonna have to be Dismania. i mean i know they were pivoting to more of the crush boy brand as opposed to just simon being the main face of the company but come on that man is still synonymous with Dismania and vice versa the guy was with them for a decade so to lose someone of that value is just so crazy to me uh again it is the biggest move after paul Macbeth leaving disc or leaving in of a four discraft i mean as far as his impact and name value 
I mean, you think about what Simon did for that company when it comes to the fact that he had such a huge year last year performance-wise with four wins. He was showing he had the ability to improve. He was showing that he was focused more on his health, that he was trying to increase the longevity of his career, that he was playing a safer style, that he wanted to win. And now he's bringing all that motivation to a different company and said it to you. So losing your face is just so huge. And think about just how much he repped this mania on the course, on content. That's all gone now. Now all of a sudden he's given another company that type of uh, exposure on all of his content. And yeah, we know that they still have some great players like Eagle and Ella and Kyle. And admittedly, we had that crazy Eagle store at the European Open, but we still don't know what to expect from him last year. I mean, he did struggle at Worlds, and we just don't know how his offseason's going. So either way, they just didn't pick up anybody to fill the void assignment at all. And there was a lot of people out there they could have gotten. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I think that, you know, to me, it seems like they might have got caught up with Simon, not had time to pivot. And you know, hopefully they can they can just you know see out the season now and start making moves as soon as possible. Maybe maybe it's not till next off season. We'll just have to find out. Um, but they're certainly in an interesting spot now. And when Eagles contract runs up, it is going to make for an interesting situation with this mania. Um, Brody, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think going with the biggest winner with Simon leaving, you would think that I would say the biggest loser is the company that Simon left, which is Dismania. But I'm actually going to go with Anthony on this one and, and say Dynamic Dis. I think the reason why is I think Dis, Dismania, uh, they did pick up Gavin Babcock, who basically has shown up in majors. I don't know if he's going to be that Brooks Kepka type of player that just says, if it's not a major, I don't care. If it is a major, I'm here to win. So we'll see how he plays. They obviously still have Eagle, and I think a lot of people are asleep on the fact that Eagle could potentially be a, one of the most dominant disc golfers of all time. If Eagle comes out this year healthy, I think it's going to be pretty clear that that Simon move of not having to keep both those guys next year, I think will play dividends for them. And also you have to look, too, at Gannon. Gannon did not sign a long deal contract with prodigy is this dismania's play of let's keep cap space let's keep the money so we can get gannon for a long-term deal i look at dynamic disc losing pace who also was a huge factor in their actual company i believe she was vp of one position over there uh valerie and holland the two players that are kind of moving up in the fpo ranks it leaves them very very thin they did not carry uh, they did not bring anyone in this year. And also with that big, massive Ricky deal and that big, massive Kona deal, it might be in a situation where they just don't have the money. Yeah, I, I think there's a there's a lot of points you know, for Dynamic. I, I think there's some interesting things happening on the inside there. You're seeing a lot of players who seem to be very excited about Dynamic or even really tied to Dynamic, like Paige Shu leaving the company. And I think that raises some interesting questions for what's happening at Dynamic Discs. Um, I did notice uh, Hunter shaking his head, though, at the at the start of that argument. He didn't seem to like it. So I think uh, I think I'm going to throw Hunter and Brody into a duel here. I'll give you each an additional oh. minute, uh, starting with Hunter. Hunter, go ahead. What, what do you have to say about that? Well, yeah, I mean, I think Trilogy has a lot of questions, but Discmania, they've all been answered and it's all lose, 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 lose. On DD, yeah, you look at the quantity of who they lost, but when you take that quantity and move it straight to plastic, it is a fraction, if even. Like, I don't even know if it can fit on the scale of what Di of Discmania is losing with Simon moving over because Simon moving, he's bringing a whole fan base that was only Discmania, maybe some end of a mixed in there, and opening him to this whole new world of gyro. And once you go mixed bag, you don't go back. Dynamic, they didn't lose any big movers. Like, yeah, they lost some very good talent on the course, but no one that compares anywhere close to the scope of Simon. And a lot of, like, what you had said, like, Paige Shu, she's a big question mark of, yeah, they lost someone at the company, but, like, 
during the offseason, we don't ever question of like a salesperson steps down and we factor that into an offseason movement. We don't know what page she was going to be on the course. She could be incredible. She's a former world champion, but she could also just be a, a non-factor out there on the course. When you lose someone like Simon, that's a known loss. That's a known factor. Everyone else at DD lost. I mean, you can combine them all and, you know, it might be one month of sales that Dyna Discmania actually lost. To me, it's more about just the momentum of Dynamic. I think they were they had a potential of really building a solid FPO, uh, f you know, team essentially with the players that they had, and then they have Ricky on the MPO side. You also have a Chris Clemens, who I still think is a top ten player, hasn't really been able to like jump through and get in those top finishes, but he's always kind of near the top of the leaderboard. I think them losing all those top FPO players essentially kind of derailed their momentum a little bit and on the flip side this mania they still have eagle they still have kyle klein who i think people forgot about he didn't have the most impressive season last year but he's still a top 10 player in the world uh i think this mania is gonna be a little bit better in the sense of like how they're gonna handle the move than some people are alluding that simon is just i agree simon's gonna move a lot of people to mvp i just don't think he's gonna hurt this mania as, as much as some people may believe yeah i i think that um I think that both of you have good points there. Uh, I do think at the end of the day, Discmania, you know, they're going to take a big loss. I think they're, like you mentioned, though, we're kind of have to see how it plays out, um, you know, a little bit long term to see how many of those fans just jump ship. But I have seen the culture start to shift in that way, I feel like. So, you know, it'll be interesting. But I, I do also agree that Discmania does have players you know, still, so they can't be forgotten about, but how much will that influence impact them? So, um, I think there are a few points there to be, to be won and lost in that duel, but, but good, good points on both sides. Um, to give a points update before we host or hop into our next topic right now, we have Brody at 12 points, Hunter at 14, Anthony at 11, Dustin at 14, just to help everybody along listening to the show for the first time. Uh, we have a couple more topics here. We have two more and then the the top two debaters, uh, based on their point totals, will hop into our rapid-fire round. So that is what we are working towards. But to hop into our next topic now, this is something that kind of surprised a lot of people when it was announced. But we have Paul McBeth playing much of his schedule in Europe this season, um, jumping over to the Euro Tour, playing quite a few events. Um, this this raised some interesting questions. And what I just want to know is, is this good um, for the sport of disc golf? What do you think? And and also and also, let me add to that. Why is he playing in Europe? You know, what what do you think is the, the reason for that? Um, we'll start with uh, Anthony. What do you think? Yeah, I think this is multifaceted for why he's doing it. Part of it is I think we also forget because disc golf is such a family-minded sport that there are some people who are just rich and they're comfortable in the sport, and so he's able from a comfort standpoint to say, I don't need these points on the u.s tour the disc golf pro tour i can head over to europe i can enjoy myself a little more there but it's not just for that purpose he's also going there probably for legacy he wants to build his audience in europe because he has a very solid fan base here in the u.s and any touring pros who go over and make a concerted effort at the highest level to go and play on the european tour are going to have a lot of goodwill as that tour continues to grow and the sport continues to grow in Europe. You also have to think about he has the Paul McBeth Foundation, which he has some courses that he's built in Europe. I'm sure that there's more that I don't know about, but that he's probably wanting to go and survey in that area. But is it good for the sport is, I think in general, a yes answer to that question. However, I think it can be bad for 
the way that the sport is going to grow in the States because the disc golf network right now is the main metric that we have in order to bring in a lot of outside sponsorship into the sport and him leaving over some crucial events. You think about like Des Moines Challenge, one of the biggest crowd events for people to just come and watch. He's not going to be there. Portland Open, one of the only two Elite Plus events, he's also not going to be at. So him leaving while there are so many big high profile events might lessen the amount of people who either come to the course, which is a less important metric, but also so important compared to the amount of people who might tune into the disc golf network, see that Paul isn't playing and then turn it off. And we need all those eyeballs and all those numbers to bring in those big outside sponsors for the years to come. Yeah. I, yeah, I'd have to agree there. I think that it's, um, it's like a pro model versus this, you know, the, the entirety of the sport where yes, the pro tour is going to suffer for this possibly, um, and then it's a matter of like, are they going to make an attempt to get cameras out to Europe to to make sure they can capitalize on this? Um, but then, you know, for the whole of the sport and globally, certainly there are there are some pros there. Uh, Dustin, what, what are your opinions? OK, so first of all, he's going to expand his brand into a new market. I imagine he just wants to personally go there and because he can. I mean, he's at a point in his career where he doesn't have anything really to prove. And so he can afford to do this. The European market's been closed off for a while due to COVID. Now this is an opportunity for Mbeth to really hit that market and extend his brand within that region, which is definitely an area worth growing, especially as the sport continues on. That could be a huge region. Uh, it also gives him a chance to get another accolade if he's able to win the PDGA Euro Tour. That could be just kind of a cool thing to add on the resume. I do also wonder if the PDGA gave him an incentive to go help bring more exposure to the Euro Tour. So that's something to think about. I think it also allows him to actually get more acclimated to Europe before the European Open, a major he narrowly missed out on winning last year, an opportunity to be more prepared as he chases after Climo's major record. I think he can also manage to take this loss. Yeah, he's going to miss events, but he still will be hitting all the majors as well as at least 10 Elite Series or higher events, so he still has the way to get the points to get to the championship. Also, I just think he can bring some shine to the PGA Euro Tour, which only just helps build up the sport internationally, uh, as we already have a lot of the main market being in North America, bringing something there can be huge. It can also help the European players get to play against some of the best competition because that's not alone in this. A lot of other players have announced that they're going to Europe like AB, like Adam Hannes, like Chris Dickerson. So he's kind of starting a movement of more American players going over there, which can only help the sport in that region and yeah. overall then. Yeah, I think you make you make a good point there talking about um, preparing for the European Open. We got to remember this is a guy who was on record last year saying that he focused almost isn't like half of his year on just winning the European Open. Like that was a huge focus of his. So, you know, you can't put it past him to be thinking that way. Um, but it, but it, there is some certainly some things to be talked about there. Brody, uh, what do you have to say? I noticed you shaking your head there a little bit. Well, I mean, I'll be the first to tell you I have no idea what this guy's doing. I, I, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you I've, I can't get inside this guy's head at all. Uh, but I can do, do my best to speculate. Um, I disagree a little bit with what Dustin's. I mean, no one cares if he goes out there and wins the PGA Europe or whatever that. No one even knew what that is a thing over here. So like going out and winning some some award over there, that's not a big deal. I think I think ultimately this comes down to building, uh, you know, the Discraft's name, his name over in that market. Discraft is not big at all in Europe. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to go out there and see no one's really throwing that much discraft. So I think this is a huge move for discraft to be able to kind of break into a market that they aren't currently in. Um, as far as the playing side of things go, I'm sure it, it's going to be fun playing new tournaments, playing against new competitors and doing all that. As far as like, is it good for the sport? I mean, you look elsewhere, they're doing everything they can. Other sports are doing everything they can to consolidate, to get the best players at the tournaments, 
at the event. And so separating, I don't think is the best for the sport, but long-term I could see some growth and it would be fun for, you know, American players to go over to Europe and play more than one or two events a year. So I do see that potentially happening in the future. Yeah. Yeah. There's certainly, um, it's tough to say what the value of, of a Euro tour win. I think as a player, it's a cool, it, it's a cool accolade. I agree. It doesn't have a ton of prestige right now, certainly for the fans. Most people don't know what it is. Um, I mean, you know, name, it, name, name another tournament he's playing over there outside of the European Open. Kona Peace Day. Um, Sula. Well, Sula was on the tour last Swedish year. Swedish Open. So that doesn't yeah. count. Anyways, anyways, we'll, we'll revisit this. Don't worry. Um, but Hunter, bring it home. What do, you, what do you think about all this? Yeah, look, I mean, is this good for the Pro Tour? No. Is this good for the American fan base? No. Is this good for Paul's chances at winning the Pro Tour title? No. But is this good for the sport? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, to Brody's point, all these other sports consolidating, one key factor to that is the history of the sport, and they've all grown a lot. I think that this is a big grow the sport play for Paul. I don't think this is a big grow the professional scene play for Paul, but the European, I think, currently is underrepresented and underserved in the general disc golf scheme. Media doesn't talk about it a lot. There's a big question mark as like, how good are European players actually? And I think this move answers a lot of those questions. Um, I think that why is Paul doing this? One, probably just to spend some time in Europe. I mean, he's going to be over there for about a month. I think that's a big factor. And kind of like to what Anthony had said, he, he's at a level where he can kind of be comfortable doing that. He can make that decision and, you know, be okay over there. And two, I definitely think that what Dustin was saying plays into it a little bit. He's had a chance where he could realistically, if he plays good enough, win a Euro Tour title and a Pro Tour title in the same season. Brody says no one cares about that. I think Paul's going to make people care about that. Yeah, I, I think that... Can I just know, add you, something real quick? Well, Sorry. You, hold on, I'll give you <laughs> just a chance. To, just I'll to clarify. I'll give you the chance. I'll give you the chance. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw... Uh, let, me, let me respond to Hunter first. I do think that it is... It is true that Paul can use his brand and make people care about the Euro Tour, and that's certainly a play. But I'll throw uh, Dustin and Brody into a into a duel here, um, and uh, we'll we can we can have you guys each discuss it a little further because I think there's certainly um, some disagreement there. So uh, Dustin, you can you can go ahead first, and then Brody respond. Yeah. So to clarify, I kind of PGA Euro Tour win thing was kind of more of just like a little bonus. It wasn't really like one of the main factors I was really trying to drive at. But I do think that it is just kind of a nice little, you know, whipped cream on top of his season, depending on how the rest of his results go. And I just meant more that he's not really losing too much in the process. He's still playing 10 plus elite series or, or better events. He's still playing all the majors. He still has plenty of ways to get his points to get to the championship. And so he's not really losing anything. Meanwhile, he's gaining a way to maybe win this PDJ Euro Tour. You don't know how prestigious this is event might become in the future as the European market grows. You know, years from now, we may see that tour in a much different light. And in the history books, he could be a champion of it or something like that, right? But I think that the main thing for him, of course, is going over there, as you said, expanding his brand within Europe, expanding Discraft's brand within Europe. And again, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if the PGA is doing something to incentivize him going there to help them market this Euro tour to make it bigger because they're trying to compete with the European Pro Tour. There are multiple Pro Tours in Europe. And so Macbeth getting behind the PDGA Euro tour could be some type of power play to help consolidate uh, professional play within that region. Could be wrong. That's just speculation. Uh, but, you know, yeah, that's that's kind of what I was getting at with uh, the benefits of Paul being there. Yeah, I highly doubt the PGA is doing anything to, like, <laughs> to, to get him. Like, here's some money. I highly doubt that's happening at all. Um, I just wanted to clarify. I When you said PGA Europe Tour win or whatever, I was thinking, like, it was, like, the Disc Golf Pro Tour winner kind of thing, like a accumulation of points. And I was saying like that, no one has any idea what that is. Uh, Cause I 
because I just made it up apparently. Uh, if he does win an event over there, I mean, I'm sure it will bring some light to that event. But I believe Hunter is the one that's famously takes away Eagles major uh, at Kona Peach Day. Or was it Trevor? Is it Trevor? Trevor. Oh, yeah. So that I think just kind of shows you how some player, uh, some people over in America view some of the tournaments <laughs> over there. You look at Niklas, no one had any idea who Niklas was. He's one of the best European players, and he comes over here, and everyone all of a sudden is like, oh, my God, this guy's incredible, and he's been dominating the European scene. It's a different scene over there. The European Open was by far the weakest major of all four majors. Uh, it's just a different ball game. Is it too soon? That's my only thing. I think – it's too soon. I, I, I think the Disc Golf Pro Tour is trying to build something right now in the States and trying to go out there. I mean, look at it. They decided to have this Sula advance from a silver to elite. I think that's good things. Um, I just think it's too soon to lose one, the best and the most popular in the sense of eyeballs to a completely different tour. Yeah, um, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to look at. I think that a lot of this is going to – the success of this run is going to hinge on a few things. A – you know, does Paul bring a spotlight to a lot of really good European players? And B, is any of this going to be documented? That's going to be the key. Is yep. and it's now up to you know the pro tour, or whoever, to get cameras out there and make sure um, that this is this is something that we're able to view, um, so that we actually can keep the context in mind and actually see what's happening over there. So we don't like see Paul just disappear for a few months and then just come back and like what happened in between. That's a situation we certainly don't want Uh quick points update before we hop into our last topic. Hey, Brody at 19, Hunter at 18, Anthony at 15 and Dustin at 22. Um, certainly still very close. Um, hopping into our, our last subject before the rapid fire round, we have probably the hottest topic right now. Um, and the question is simply, you know, we saw, we saw the 10 year deal happen for Simon. At the time I wrote the script, the, the financial details hadn't been released. They have been since. Um, it's kind of what a lot of us suspected. It's a very valuable deal. Um, does this 10 year deal for Simon make sense for MVP? That's the question I want to ask. Dustin, take it away. Absolutely, it does. I mean, the precedent was set for this with Paul McBeth signing basically the same exact deal with Discraft as far as linked, and I'm sure the incentives are a little bit uh, similar. Again, Simon's one of the most massive brands within the sport of disc golf. I think his brain even goes beyond the sport due to the content he puts out. Again, he's one of our greatest ambassadors of sport. He's number three in total socials and one of the biggest disc golf YouTube channels, period, aside from Joe Mez Pro and I guess technically Brody, though a lot of his channel was built before disc golf. Uh, he's proven to move plastic very well, and that will continue on through his playing career and when he retires his name's still going to be on that plastic as well as his own line of disc that can continue to sell even after he's done playing and again i think the big thing people are missing out on is even though he's getting up in age he showed last year that he can improve he was the most improved player won four events out of nowhere and if you listen to all the interviews that he's been given all he's talked about is how motivated he is how this move has provided a new spark how it's a change how now he wants to have a true practice routine how you know he's been putting in the hours and wants to go out there and perform that he's motivated to perform because he's repping a new brand and guess what guys at the end of this 10 years as much as simon lazat was synonymous with this mania all of a sudden, Simon's going to be synonymous with MVP disc instead, uh, you know, as years pass. And that's only going to do huge things for MVP because they're the underdog brand. They don't have a big team. And so a name like Simon coming on for this period of time, it is huge for a company the size of MVP. Yeah. And um, he was he was technically the most improved player, according to the Grippies, uh, not not to the Pro Tour. But I do <laughs> I do respect that that is the, uh, the reference. I'm playing to you. I'm playing the foundation. <laughs> yeah. All right. I you know, so that's the, the referenced accolade. Um, <laughs> I, I believe he was most improved player. Um, but yeah, it, there's certainly a lot to be said there. Uh, Brody, what do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the ten-year deal is always going to, you know, throw a couple a couple things in the wrench as far as just like your budget goes. And I think with someone like MVP, we really don't have a good idea of how deep some of these companies' pockets are. I think we got to see a little bit with Lone Star jumping on the scene and making a whole bunch of um, signings this off-season. Uh, but they also have a completely separate company that kind of helps funnel that. With these actual disc manufacturer companies, we do not know how deep the pockets are. My question is, do they? does MVP turn into something like a uh, dynamic disc where they are now locked into these big contracts with Ricky, these big, this big contract with Kona, and they're not able to really make any offseason moves moving forward? Simon, though, however, I would say is like a generational player, not just the fact of how his skill level is on the course, but all the off-course tangibles, that's not something that is going to come around very often. So being able to lock someone down like that, that's huge. You're not only getting him getting into lead cards, getting into potentially winning more uh, elite series events, but you're also getting the YouTube. You're also getting the eyeballs after the fact. And someone like Simon, whether he's winning or not, people are going to be talking about it about him. He's going to be continuing to making videos. My only concern with Simon is something that he did mention, the move. The reason why he wanted to move was not that he was upset with Dismania, is that he got bored with Dismania. He wanted something new. He wanted something to uh, rejuvenate, I guess, him. The question is, 10 years is a long time. Is that going to happen again before those 10 years are up? Yeah, that's that's certainly something to think about. I mean, it is, you know, I, I was just when I was talking to AB about his move to Discraft, that's something he mentioned. It's just like, Discraft, you know, it could get stale if you're, you know, people love being with manufacturers for a long time and having that family feel, but it's certainly like, man, you know, you're Simon, it's like, oh, I got another box of PD2s. Like, you know, it, it, it gets stale to some extent throwing the same discs all the time. And, and you know, if you're a company too, like Dismania that was stuck in a little bit of a rut manufacturing wise, you know, might've gotten a little bit stale and, and that's something to factor in. Uh, Hunter, what are you, what are your thoughts on this deal? Yeah, I think that Brody's point makes sense when you first look at it, but you have to think this is a retirement deal for Simon. So by the time that he's getting stale or bored with these discs, it'll be a, at the end of his career. Um, I think realistically MVP signed this deal the 10 years, I think, more for Simon than MVP. Uh, I think MVP will make this money back in the first year or two, and then the rest of it is just, you know, this is to set Simon for life. So I think it's a win-win for both parties, in my opinion. To give you a little bit of a scope of how much Simon's already moving MVP with this hype, we literally got our one of our biggest MVP restocks in on Thursday. It was supposed to last us 60 to 90 days on our shelves. We have to place basically that same order again three days later because that's how much hype Simon's moving. And I'd be surprised if we're the only ones. He's bringing over so many new fans. I, I don't think that 10 years, people get caught up on that, the 10-year, 10 mil. I don't think Simon's worth a million a year in year 10. I just think he's worth two to three, maybe even four in years one through five. And I think that's where MVP is making that money back to deepen their pockets to be able to go get more talent in year six through 10 and knowing they still have Simon on their payroll. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's that you know that's the key to these ten-year deals that we've seen is how much money are you going to make in the early years, um, and that that'll just be can you know can you make a bulk amount of that just from the the spare change you're going to be getting on those from the the wave essentially, and we've seen that you know we work on the retail side and we've seen all the excitement coming with MVP already, and that's just something we'll have to track. Uh, Anthony, wrap it up for us. What do you think? Ten years, it's a lot of time. Can't, we can't hear Anthony. It would help to unmute. There you go. We're good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> go I, absolutely, 
I absolutely think that this is a good move for both Simon and MVP. I think a lot of us here have been focusing on how this is a good move for Simon, as well as the fact that like he just has his retirement contract, just like Hunter said. I think talking a little bit about Brody's uh, comments about how this move might make him a little bit more stale coming in the later years, similar to how it was with Discomania. I think that that's partially true, but if you've watched a lot of Simon's content recently, a lot of things that he's been talking about seems like he's maturing into a new phase of disc golf, just like we saw over this past year where his injury kind of prevented him from throwing 100%, and he said that he's never going to be able to throw at 100% again, but 80 or 90% for him is what happened last year, and we saw what that was able to let him do. And so it seems like he's wanting to make moves in a new direction to kind of a new phase of disc golf for him, He's also talked about wanting to create a foundation. Um, he talked about that on the Nick and Matt show where that's going to be a legacy move, not only for him, but also for MVP because with that foundation and growing the sport, all the new plastic that gets into the people's hands that he's going to be helping is going to be MVP plastic. And because of that, that is the first plastic that they're going to have. And we all know, having experienced that, that the first plastic has a lot of effect on what you're going to be able to throw down the line before you get introduced to more things. I think on the MEP side of this as well, this is a good contract for them because like everyone has been saying, this is probably money that they're going to make back easily within the first couple of years because of everyone switching from basically full bag this maniac bags over to MVP bags. But I think also, as we look down the line to year 10, this contract isn't going to be worth for Simon a million dollars a year, but it's also not going to be worth that for MVP because of inflation that's going to lower the cost of them fulfilling this contract over and over again. As disc sales and prices are going to go up, the cost of the contract is a million dollars a year. So even if the cost of discs raise 10, 20, 30%, the contract doesn't have to adjust with that. It's going to be able to stay at the same point. So I think that this is a win-win for both. Simon's going to be able to retire off of this, and we all know how loyal Simon is to company, just how we saw how hard it was for him to leave Discmania and the, all the emotions that he felt. MVP doing this for Simon and allowing him the security with his new family to be able to comfortably retire and do a lot of things that maybe he'd only dreamed of is only going to be a good thing for him and for MVP because he's going to be loyal to them for life. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I think that, um, you know, a big part of this is is brand loyalty and establishing that. And because Simon does pick up um, fans early on, you know, he has that net essentially with YouTube that that's that's going to be a huge factor. Um, final points update before our rapid fire round. Uh, everybody did a great job there, but we've got Brody at 22, Hunter at 23, Anthony at 21, and Dustin coming in at the lead at 25. So it is at this point in our show that we are going to unfortunately have to say goodbye to Brody and Anthony. You guys are out of here um close but not quite close enough so our final rapid fire round is going to come down to hunter versus dustin for the championship hunter's got a few points to make up the way the rapid fire round is going to work here is we have three topics we're going to go through and we're only going to have 30 seconds uh within the around 30 second window obviously you know we're not trying to go um exactly precise on time but i will start taking away points if i if i see you rambling uh too far past the point so we are going to uh, start with we'll start with uh, Dustin since he's in the lead and we'll go with our first topic here for the rapid fire round. And the question is, this is a tough one. Are the contracts good or bad for the players and manufacturers involved, Dustin? Yes, I think it is because it puts the rumors out there to persist in the news cycle and on social media and in content like this for an extended period of time rather than just cashing in on one big pop. This combination allows you to create hype and exposure uh, over a period of time rather than just the official announcement. And depending on the caliber of player, you can still get the shock value at the end that you want because there's still that uncertainty and doubt in the fans' mind that it might just not be true. And then as long as you do the right content, such as like an in-the-bag or disrelease release type stuff, you still get to add a lot at the finish. So basically, I think if you have a great 
marketing plan, you're able to get a lot of value out of the, the rumor mill as well as the announcement at the end as long as you have the content right. This kind of only works for big fish, though. I think people would kind of maybe get bored out and drag out on like a smaller name. You'd probably get more value out of just one big pop for, you know, a smaller name. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I like that. Um, that's certainly <laughs> certainly where I, I sit on the media side of things. But uh, Hunter, what do you think? Well, I think that you you nailed the point right on the head, but you missed one key factor, which is you were using it as like leaks are part of a marketing strategy, which is 100% the way they should be done. It's not how they're being done right now. Right now, I think leaks are a problem in disc golf because it's people who shouldn't be talking, talking. And what that does is it's like an uncontrolled wildfire. It's not a controlled burn anymore. Now all this stuff's getting out that isn't actually supposed to be out there. It's no longer a part of MVP's marketing strategy to leak this a little bit early. Instead, you got Drew Gibson tweeting the day before like, hey, Simon's going to announce tomorrow. And Simon's like, what the frick, man? Um, so I think that controlled leaks, intentional leaks, great for the sport, for everything that Dustin said. But how leaks are happening right now, uh -uh, I think they got to stop. Dustin, go ahead and give me a retort to that. I, I think we need to expand on this a little more. I don't think it matters how the news gets out there. I think it matters that it gets out there. I don't think that it has to be controlled to still have value. I mean, sure, there are things like you're talking about where a company will leak something on purpose because they intentionally want that long, drawn-out plan. That's not the case what happened with Simon, for example, for MVP. I mean, they it, Simon talked about something that can match that he wanted to be kind of a big surprise, which is kind of no way to really hide it. And, you know, he talks to his friends. Eventually, that gets spread out. It gets wildfire. But for us as fans, we don't care how it got out there. We just care that we're getting to hear about it. We're starting to kind of build up the hype for it. We're able to discuss it. We're able to have content come out. You know, it helps fuel really the whole industry up until the point of the official announcement. Then you still get the big pop. So for me, I don't think it has to be controlled. I mean, I get what you're saying. I do think companies probably should go that direction. But for us as, as fans, I don't think it really matters. Hunter? I mean, as a fan, sure, I can see it. But again, I think that the whole problem with it is MVP's marketing was based on the rumor mill not churning. MVP's marketing was based on this big hit. Boom, here we go. This is it. And once the rumor mill starts churning because, you know, loose lips sink ships, they already started talking about it. I mean, realistically, the majority of the media knew beforehand this is going down. It just takes the punch away. If it's a part of a marketing plan, then you play it in. Then, yeah, once you get to MVP's announcement, they would have already known, hey, the general audience knows this is coming. The general audience already knows X, Y, and Z. The general audience has already put the puzzle pieces together. Now we can kind of fully culminate it. But when you have something that's supposed to be a big punch and the punch has already been softened by 10 pillows, doesn't hit as hard. Yeah, I, I think this is certainly a topic that we're going to expand on in the future. It's it's a very, um, very much a buzzword right now. The whole leak situation in in disc golf, and you know how people are interpreting it. Some people are absolutely, you know, against it. Other people kind of have more of the mindset of like, oh, this is something that happens all across sports. But I do agree. There's something to be said about you know intentionally leaking versus it getting out, and then whose fault is that? There's a lot to be said. So there's something we'll get to um, in future episodes for sure. Um, rapid after the first rapid fire round, we have Dustin sitting at 32 points, Hunter at 30, uh, on to topic number two of three, let's get our player to watch this season in the MPO division, starting with Hunter. Yeah. So this was a tough one for me because I was looking through and when I'm looking at a player to watch, I want someone winless that I think is going to have like their make a name for themselves season. So that kind of eliminated a lot of the Corey Ellis's, Isaac Robinson's you know, of the world. And I didn't have to look much farther past Isaac Robinson to find his brother, Ezra Robinson, who beat him three times last year, one at Music City, which was like a Silver Series event. It was at least on the Pro Tour. And then we had him beat him at Champions Cup, a major. I think that Ezra has the game to compete on the same type of level that Isaac does. 
I don't think he's necessarily going to work at every single course, but I think there's certain courses that he could kind of shock the world. And, you know, hopefully now that you've heard me say it, it won't be nearly as a surprise, but I don't have a ton of stats to back it because I think it's a lot more of he passes the eye test and we know his brother's done it. I think he can do it too. Dustin, what do you think? I'm going to go the opposite in the spectrum. I'm going to go with Eagle McMahon. And the reason for this is because we didn't get to see him play a whole lot last year. But when we did, he had that crazy story at the European Open. But then he left us a little bit of doubt with a little bit of a lackluster world's performance. But he clearly has a talent. He clearly has a proven track record with four wins in 2021, as well as six additional podium finishes on the DGPT and the National Tour. Again, we had the crazy you know, situation where he won his second PDGA major last year after coming back from injury. Uh, you know, There's all the question marks around him. Will he be able to recover from his injury? Where is his forehand at? Are we going to see some more of that crazy left-hand, backhand ability? I think 2023 is also a situation where he's got more pressure on him now because Simon's gone, and now he is the new face of this company, and he's to represent it well. So either A, he is going to come back on track, and it's going to be a crazy comeback story from injury, or there's a chance that he might get set back further, and his trajectory could really be up in the air. Either way, it's going to be an interesting story to follow, and that's why I need to watch him this season. Yeah, I, I think that... You know, Eagle, it's tough to look at him as a player to watch when you think about the traditional sense of the of that term and, you know, how dominant he's been in years past. But you're right. There's certainly a lot of storylines and it's good to mention the Discmania one. Uh, he is the face of that brand now. And that, you know, that may have, that may apply some additional pressure, and especially with contracts potentially looming over his head. You know, a lot of players react to those situations differently. Um, so on the flip side of that coin, let's let's get our um, players to watch for the FPO division and points update before we get into that. Uh, we have Dustin at 38 and Hunter at 33 with our last rapid fire subject here. Uh, so Dustin, go ahead and kick it off for us. Who's your player to watch in the FPO division? My player to watch in FPO is going to be Valerie Mandahano, and that's because that she uh, is making a big move to Discraft and becoming a part of the elite team immediately where there are expectations to perform. She definitely showed signs of strength in 2022, having a breakout season with wins at Waco and the Portland Open, as well as the Beaver State Fling. She was a consistent top five contender and has a UDIS world ranking of 11. And based on the improvement we saw from her last year, there are certainly indications that she continued to press forward up those rankings. I think that with this and the fact that she had a strong end of the year outside of throw pink, she has a real chance to grab some big results last uh, this next year, really climb up the rankings and really represent Discraft well and show just how strong that FPO team is that they built during this offseason. Yeah, certainly a player to watch. I think the, the move to Discraft will be interesting. Uh, she certainly showed a lot of potential last year, but then at times wavered. So uh, it'll be one to see if she can get more consistent. And also, I think uh, the distance is an interesting one for her. I think that's where she showed her biggest weaknesses. We'll see if there's any improvement this year. Uh, Hunter, wrap it up for us. Who do you think it is? Well, I think Dustin and I just view a uh, player to watch as two completely different things. Dustin, I think, in my opinion, views it as you walk into Chick-fil-A and you're looking at what type of chicken do I want on the menu. I view it as I walk into Chick-fil-A and I'm ordering a cheeseburger and everyone's like, what the frick? You don't get a cheeseburger at Chick-fil-A, but they serve it to me and they say, my pleasure, because <laughs> the cheeseburger for the 2023 season on FPO is none other than Alexis Mandahano. Let me paint this picture for you. She has set up a revenge season ahead of her. For years and years, she's been in her sister's shadow, right? But they're very similar competitors. If you look back against their history, they're close all throughout their life. Now on the Pro Tour, I think that they're about to be close again. And last year, she signed on Discraft. She's on the Elite Team. A year later, nowhere to be found on the Elite Team. Who's on the Elite Team this year? Oh, her sister, Valerie Mandahano. This is the perfect revenge arch nemesis <laughs> character arc. And I think that's what we're about to see from Alexis Mandahano. I think she's going to burst <laughs> on the scene. And um, I think a lot of people are going to be shocked when they see what she's capable of. Certainly, uh, certainly a, an interesting take there. I, I like the metaphor. I, I'm a big metaphor guy. Um, and I think, you know, yeah, you're right. Alexis Mandahano, um, there are flashes of greatness there. And I think that 
certainly still a young player. There's there's room for improvement. Um, but you know, FPO, the FPO division each year is always such a toss up at the beginning of the season, seeing what you know who's going to stick out and uh, make a name for themselves. But that's it for our for our rapid fire round. We have a winner, and that is Dustin at 40 points, just just beating out Hunter at 38. Congratulations, Dustin, the the first winner of the new debate night. Do you have anything to say for your victory lap? Uh, I just want to say we're we're glad we were able to get Brody Smith to figure out how to use a microphone uh, in the year of 2023. So that was a big victory, I think, for everyone. Uh, also, uh, really fun to beat Hunter Thomas on his own YouTube channel. Uh, you know, always like to be able to do that. Also, cool to hang out with Bonanza. Uh, you know, out there grinded it out in the van and still made it to the show so i gotta give him a shout out and trevor yes. fabulous host mostly because you were giving me all those points definitely not <laughs> biased or anything like that mostly just because you had a great performance so yeah it was uh it was a good time being a part of the show awesome well hey i think i think this is a successful first episode and if you're watching this and you enjoyed the show make sure to leave a like down below we're, we're looking for obviously feedback as this is a new format i really think this is something you guys are going to enjoy but if there are things you want to see in the show um, certain changes you'd like to be made if you have opinions on you know guests that you want to make sure come back make sure send your support say hey i want anthony i want dustin i want them to keep coming back on the show uh, make sure to send a uh, comment your support down below if you're interested on in potentially being an analyst on this show someday if you're looking and you're like, hey, I could do that, make sure to also leave a comment down below and we can reach out and maybe uh, maybe give you a tryout, something like that. You know, we've vetted a number of personalities for the show that we're going to be rotating in, uh, but we're always looking to have more personalities on. But yeah, once again, make sure to, to leave your suggestions and um, we're going to be doing this weekly now as the new debate night format. So we'll be back next week with another episode and some new topics. So hopefully you enjoyed it and we'll see you then.